Welcome to the Real Estate Life Podcast. Today's guest is Tony Engel, Chief Operating Officer for Sundance Property Management, where he has 8,500 units under management. We'll discuss how to find the right property management company and when to reach out to a property management company. All you need to know on acquiring and renovating multifamilies, we'll answer one of the most important questions also. What is the right rental price for your property? All that and much more up next. Real estate investing is changing, but there are people evolving and thriving. In this podcast, we'll listen to their stories and hopefully learn from them. I am dedicated to creating a life where I could create multiple passive income and doing something I love along the way. To me, the most important part is doing significant work and create great relationships along the way. For those that want to invest in passive income, multifamilies, email me at abio at abiobiestatos.com. My name is Abio Biestatos. I am a real estate investor and entrepreneur, and I want to help you live the real estate life. Welcome to the Real Estate Life Podcast. Welcome to the Real Estate Life Podcast. So welcome to the Real Estate Life Podcast. This podcast is hosted by Abio Ballesteros, and today I want to introduce Tony Engel. He is the Chief Operating Officer for Sundance Property Management that has under management 8,500 units. He's currently responsible for all the business development, acquisitions, capital improvements for Sundance. Tony is also an active real estate broker in Ohio, Kentucky, and Tennessee for Sundance. He, he specializes in repositioning properties and has overseen over $100 million in renovation. Uh, Tony received a Bachelor in Science from Ohio State University and is also a current partner with me in a Columbus deal in Ohio that we just currently purchased that he also manages for us. Tony, welcome to the show. Thanks, Abiel. So Tony, um, so you, you have quite an extensive uh, experience there with Sundance Property Management, but, but before we get into all that, uh, I want to start from the beginning. Uh, before you were doing all these acquisitions and capital improvements and property management, how did you get to this point? What was your first real estate experience? Oh man, um, first experience was a, was, a, was a small single family student rental on uh, University of Cincinnati's campus. but. What, what triggered it is, you know, I've always been interested um, in real estate and just different avenues to kind of generate cash and make money. Uh, I'm a terrible employee. I'm sure uh, we'll get to that at some point. <laughs> I like, uh, you know, I kind of like to do things a certain way. And, you know, I don't like being told what to do and how to do it when, you know, not be able to think outside the box. I think the real estate allows that. Um, what got me started was uh, I graduated from Ohio State. I was a uh, operation manager for uh, Kroger's uh, running a dairy plant. Uh, we made yogurt, sour cream, cottage cheese, and I had a roommate. Um, and I was, uh, I don't know, I'd, for whatever reason, I didn't go out that night. And I just sitting on the couch watching TV. And uh, there was a book sitting on the table that his sister gave him for like Christmas or something. I didn't, I didn't know. It was, it was a big black purple book. Old Robert Kawasaki cash oh, like classic. I, you know, even throughout college and high school, I, I maybe read three books my entire life. Yeah, I was the yeah. king of cliff notes or yeah, get the yeah. bare, bare information that, you know, that wasn't my strong suit. I was always a, a, a numbers guy um, before I, you know, kind of got into the, the operation side of uh, the dairy and food industry. You know, college, I dabbled in aerospace and I dabbled in architecture with different major changes. So numbers were always my thing. Uh, reading wasn't and I picked this book up and uh, 
I didn't put it down. Like, you know, yeah. it was, I, and it was because it's just the concepts and, you know, albeit basic, uh, I'm sure there's a lot of guys out here listening that had read that book. I mean, it's kind of the, the platform. And then, you know, another night, um, I, I did go out to the bar and I was drunk and I came <laughs> home, sat on the couch and ate my, uh, you know, late night food. And it was an infomercial on from, uh, God, who was that? Who was the infomercial king back in the day? It was like Carl, Carol. I, I can't remember the name. Carl Icon? Is that no. it? I, yeah. It came in like a big binder, you know, and it had all these like um, pamphlets and stuff. And uh, I I don't know. I, Is it Tony Robbins? What's that? Tony Robbins? No, no, no. It was a real yeah. estate uh, uh, investor guy. It's, yeah. oh, it's going to drive me crazy. I think it was like the first real infomercial real estate. Really? Uh, and it's going to drive me crazy. I, maybe I'll think about it. Was it Rich Dad, Poor Dad, the first one that you picked up? That was the first yeah, book yeah, I picked yeah, up. And, yeah, then, yeah. and then I bought this infomercial on how to invest in real estate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I spent like a hundred bucks and got this big thing. And you know, I started flipping through it. And then um, my business partner, who's one of my best, is my best friend from high school. And we've been tight ever since. Uh, he's got a pretty interesting story as well. But uh, we bought the uh, rental property together. He's a, he's a professional poker player. Oh, really? Uh, that's, that's all oh, he's doing. Yeah. That's his full-time job? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, he, uh, you know, it's. He, he's got. I said, How do you negotiate? Asked, How do you negotiate with that guy? <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't. You know, he's. Uh, I, I'm the big idea guy. You know, I'm the one throwing things against the wall. I want to do crazy yeah. stuff, and he, yeah. he's the one that says, ah, "I don't think we should do that." You know, he's, we work well together because you know I, I, I'm running a mile a minute, and he kind of you know makes me pump the brakes. So that's all you know, and that's how we got started. And you know, I uh, continue to look in, in, in real estate and. Um, I bought the single family. We we got lucky. Did very well. Learned a lot of things. I don't care. What, what year was this? What's that? What year, what year was this first acquisition in real estate? Was this before uh, the probably financial like crisis? Two thousand six, probably. Two thousand six. Oh, so you, so you're in the, the right before the whole debacle happened. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Right in there. But you, you know, they still give you all kinds of loans and everything else. And yeah, that was that was the that was the first one. And you know, I don't care what they write in a book or what you read experiences everything and you know 100%. a lot of rude awakenings even on that one deal and you know I, a lot of things i learned that first that first deal that i still use this day even, even albeit small um so that that happened and then i did a couple other deals bought a personal house bought another you know single family up in columbus because at the time i was still living in columbus and then i made, made another jump to Take the Donald Trump class of uh, real estate. <laughs> yeah. You know, you were just searching a, for knowledge. You were just trying yeah, to get yeah, it from wherever you can. <laughs> it was a, it was, it was a twenty. It was an expensive twenty thousand dollar knowledge Ooh. game. But you know, and I got you know very little from it. But you know, kind of my my take on anything is just you just got to grab one thing. If you can get one thing and make you know take it, make make it work for you. That's great. And what one thing was. Uh, I had a guy when I was rent, fixing up my single family, I don't know if it was the middle of a turn or what happened. And uh, he just randomly stopped by. We started talking shop and he was helping clean out his dad's old house right there on, on campus. You know, at that time, campus was in a transition from students living on campus to, you know, the older generation still living in that neighborhood. And dad had passed away and he said, hey, you want to buy this? And I'm like, I'm thinking in my head, I was like, I got no money. I don't know how I'm going to get this done, but yeah, sure. I'll buy it. You know, I go back to this, uh, this class I took about wholesaling. I had no idea what it was until I took this class. And I was like, yeah, it's a good deal. I'll find someone. I 
called one of my real estate buddies. He put me in touch with somebody and then somebody put me in touch with uh, what, what was called at the time uh, Pankler. And I said, Hey, you want to buy this? And they're like, yeah, we'll buy it. And you know, I made like five grand. I was like, which at the time, I mean, I mean that, but that's, that's still, that just solidifies what you're doing. Your momentum. Correct. And I was yeah. like, Oh, this is, this is great. Like, yeah, I, you know, yeah, this yeah. is awesome. And when I did that, the, uh, the, the, the Pankler group, uh, that guy's was just, it was just Brent and Scott at the time. And they had really just started or decided to start a company where we were going to start flipping houses. And they, they said, Hey, uh, you, you interested in, in joining our team? I'm like, yeah, sure, I'll do it. I was like, but I'm not, you know, I'm not quitting my day job. And luckily at the time I was operating a, uh, a style dressing jelly jam plant and I was uh, in charge of second shift. So during the day I was uh, working with these guys, trying to find deals. Uh, we did like 200, close to 200 renovations in between 07 and 08. That's and a then, lot, man. That's yeah, a lot of houses. We were moving. Yeah, yeah that's he, a lot of houses. You know, we were backed very well, and uh, we were turning and burning, and then we got stuck with a handful. Uh, were you were you were you in charge of the acquisitions, or your project manager? Or? I was mostly doing acquisitions, and then a little bit of oversight of the uh, renovation side of things. Um, you know, as I was still kind of part time, and we were trying to figure out who we were as a company. You know, I had already been in the rental market, so I, you know, as a uh, one of the guys started, I kept pushing for. Hey, let's let's get some rentals. Let's get some rentals. Let's do rentals. And you know the the process was, why do rentals when I could you know spend a hundred thousand turning it and keep it growing? And like I get it, but we need we need some passive income. We need you know let's try this. And sure enough, the bottom fell out in '08, and you know we couldn't sell anything because nobody could get a mortgage. So we were stuck about thirty forty, and we were in the room. We're like, all right, so what do you want? What do we do now? And I was like, well, we rent them. And they're like, yeah, we got no choice. And like, well, who's going to run them? And I, I, I kind of got uh, picked to be that guy in charge of property management because <laughs> I was the only one who had any experience doing it in the group. You know, Brent was kind of the money guy, so he wanted nothing with the operations. And Scott was a, uh, you know, he was an operation guy and he was mostly on the construction and acquisition as well. So he, you know, never really did rentals. So that's how I got into the, the rentals. Um, and then when you as look we, back, you know, when you when you look back at that single family, because I mean everything you just mentioned right now is I, I could relate to it so well because that's kind of the same background. I, I was buying a ton of houses. Uh, were you living a roller coaster with the flips? Uh, was it like one day you had a chunk of money coming in, the next one was not? Yeah, all for sure. Yeah, it was. That, yeah, yeah, it was. You know, it was it was hard. It was tough, man. And you know, and I was helping the acquisition, so. A lot of my income on, on the deals was how well a flip was done or, you know, how well we bought. Cause you know, it's like everything, the, the deals and the purchase, you know, it doesn't matter right. what you do after that. If you buy it wrong, you're in trouble no matter what. So yeah. then, uh, you know, we were doing so many that we were over, you know, leveraged on the construction side and we had guys that just either weren't doing them right or taking advantage of and charging too much. And now it's like, well, there's no profit now. You just, we just spent thirty thousand, and you know yeah. now we're gonna make five. Doesn't yeah. make it now. It doesn't make yeah. any sense. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, we did, did have our challenges there, but when we got stuck in 08 with those thirty or forty, um, I kind of I brought another concept to the table as we were you know just leasing up to kind of cover our, our butt, and um, we were then refinancing the homes to kind of pulling some cash out. We still were sitting on a bundle of cash from all the old previous renovations and owners and. You know, uh, 
Brent had some family members that were helping with renovations and things like that. And he wanted to keep them still keep them busy. So I kind of threw out on the table, like, why don't we just, there was still an abundance of properties. People were getting evicted left and right. So why don't we buy these things and then do a lesser rehab and rent them and then sell them to investors. And that's kind of what we started doing. We started, uh, you know, have investor meetings. We'd buy these homes, put, you know, tenants in them and then bundle them up and we're selling them at 10 caps to, you know, investors from all over the place. This is, this is probably right after 08, right? Nine, 10. Yeah. Yeah. Right after 08. Yeah. Yeah, and there was there was still guys with cash, and, you know, wanted to get in there. Or, and if they didn't have cash, there was for a period of time you could still manipulate the mortgage market a little bit. We were we we'd own these things all outright cash, and then we would sell it to these owners on a land contract. Well, now they own them; they have the ability to go refinance, and they would pull out the refinance, and that's and then they refinance them. We'd get you know they get more than then that's how they would pay us back. Yeah. 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 And at the time they were still doing, you know, 90% to hundred percent refis, which was crazy. Amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. Which, and, and that's yeah. how, the, that's also how the, you evolved also with the property management. Yeah. So that's how we started growing our property. So at the same time, we're like, all right, well, there's an opportunity to grow as a third party property management company in terms of also doing the single family. And, uh, you know, I think that lasted for a good year and, you know, we got, uh, approached by, uh, a couple of big uh, REITs and hedge hedge funds that were getting, you know, into the um, single family world as well. Yeah. And they, we partnered with a couple of different guys, two, two different groups. And basically we were helping acquire, do the renovations, rent them out. And then, you know, we would manage them for, for these, uh, these REITs. Um, and then in that same time, I was growing property management third party from in different ways, you know, different owners. Um, we had a big group, uh, American Homes for Rent was now as a publicly traded company. And, uh, I was walking by the, the, you know, one of my leasing ma- manager's phones one day near the end of the day. And I rarely pick the phone up. And I, I still don't pick the phone up if, if it's not my cell phone ringing. Uh, and I just grabbed the phone off the hook and some guy was like, Hey, we're getting ready to try to buy 500 single families in Cincinnati. We need a rent management company. I'm like, all right, I've heard this story before. Fine, uh, you know we set up meeting, and sure yeah. enough, it was Americans friend, and we help them. We helped them acquire and manage almost seven hundred and fifty units. Wow, Which, in what time we got to a, At one point, we were managing a thousand single families, and then American Homes Rent. At that time, um, you know, once they got to a certain number, it makes sense to manage your own stuff in house, and that was their model. And they told us that from the beginning. So once they got to that size, they, they kind of brought it all in house. We, we lost that piece, but in the meantime, we were still investors and acquisition people, and uh, we had an opportunity to buy a uh, two hundred and I think like twenty five to two hundred twenty unit apartment building for one point seven million dollars. Wow, that's a, a what is yeah, that for a door? A, <laughs> it was a mess. It was like ten, was fifteen thousand dollars a door. Or the... Yeah, so we, <laughs> yeah, we uh, we we popped our cherry on on probably one of the toughest projects that I still done to date. Um, yeah. We literally, I think there was there was probably two people on a lease that lived there, and probably forty people that just so happened to be there. That, that was the first leap from residential single family to to yeah, multifamily. To multifamily, and multi-family. it was it was all the way down to the studs and $8 million later in two years is what it about took us to turn that property around. Yeah, yeah. Um, we had it fully renovated. We built a new clubhouse. We built a new pool. Uh, like I said, you, you, you name it, we've done it. Um, you know, 
I, I dealt with all kinds of issues. You know, the first, yeah. I think three months we had it, we had two people killed on the property and bodies found yeah. in the Creek. Yeah. I mean, and it wasn't a rough area. It was just, it was a just bad asset in yeah. an area. And that's where all the trouble was going. And we had to clean it up completely. So it was the, to this day, still the hardest and biggest lift I've ever been a part of. And no, when, whenever there is a lot of vacancy in these large apartment complex, it just brings it brings trouble. And um, uh, oh, it, it was a mess. Times, but yeah. uh, we sold it for twelve point five million dollars. Oh, sweet! Uh, you know, you two and a half years after acquiring, it, and that's kind of the, that was kind of the uh, leapfrog for us. That hey, we need to start doing. Um, multifamily and we we brought another person to help with acquisitions as i was you know just too busy with running a property management company and at the end of the day running the property management company and being an acquisition company made it tough um you know we we were good at acquisitions and we were just okay at property management and you know we wanted to be acquisition an acquisition company but we found ourselves being a property management company first so the model was just you know what we wanted to do was kind of broken and then so what me and scott did we we went out trying to find other property management companies to either acquire to you know that already had the infrastructure and processes in place that we were trying to build um and what, what ended up happening is we ended up meeting uh sundance property management uh me and scott sat down had lots of conversations with these guys and you know russ corman he, he wasn't interested in selling but he kind of proposed a good op option like, hey, why don't we just manage all this stuff for you? You know, reduce the fees, partner on these, you know, these deals and you guys can just go do what you're good at and that's acquisitions. So yeah. that's how the that's how the relationship started with Sundance. And then in that in that piece, I um I uh was kind of the middleman stuck stuck in limbo the whole time. I put the merger together. Uh, a lot of my income was still contingent on how well property management did and how good the assets were. My goal was still to grow management and help with acquisitions. And, you know, inherently, I just found myself gravitate towards Russ and Debbie, the owners of Sundance. And um, we worked out a partnership, uh, kind of my principal ownership of Pankler and switch it over to Sundance. And, you know, I'm one of the partners and owners. Yeah, it's uh, pro property management is... Uh, I mean, I, we, we do self-management here in Miami, uh, and it's tough, man. It's a special breed. I think property managers and are not, that's not a job for everyone. Um, uh, and and it, a lot happens too, not just the property management side, but behind the back doors, on the financials, uh, on the billing, staying organized. And I know that's something that, uh, that, in fact, working with you guys in Sundance has opened up my eyes how organized you guys are in the back door and how you guys structure and and i mean your company does things with that app folio that i didn't even know existed <laughs> so to, to me it's uh to me it's an eye-opening to see what experts uh how they manage and how they they manage the backdoor side the financial side uh yeah. and, and stay disciplined too because that's that's another thing about property management company anybody go walk around a project and take notes and send emails out but the follow-up it's where it's at and staying distant stay on top of the contractors punching out i know that's always that's always an issue. Um, so, so, so you you just knew your your strengths and and you knew where you wanted to go and and that's that's something that every investor, including myself, we we have that. Uh, we find ourselves trying to figure out: Am I a manager? Am I an acquisition? Do I go and raise money? Sometimes we were wearing so many different hats that you know it, it got us to where we're at. But how do you get to the next level? So, yeah. it, it, so I understand that transition that you had there, where and how you were 
you needed help, you knew your weaknesses, and you wanted to do what you really like to do. Uh, yeah, so I, I guess I answered your question at First Real Estate with a long bio, bio on myself <laughs> and how I got to here today. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's that, that's kind of my you know quick story. Yeah. And are you are you still purchasing multifamilies? We are. Yeah, we're still yeah. Uh, very active. Uh, I, I would say, you know, personally and in Sundance, you know, we we're still actively buying for the group, but. We spend a lot of time helping our partners and people that are strategic partners in Sundance acquire, you know, we'll look at deals and, you know, say, hey, I got a group that's perfect for us. And we'll put it in place of, of one of our partners that we already managed for. So, yeah, we're helping our partners grow and ourselves grow through acquisitions. Definitely. Well, one of the things that I liked also with um, Sundance when we started working on the Ohio deal together was that. I have support from from you and your team that if I can't keep up with the renovations, you got you come and step in and and knock it out. And a lot of investors don't know that property management companies call for that. I've interviewed a few property management companies, and in the past, a lot of them don't offer that off the bat. And if they do, the numbers are are just insane. So so we. That freedom that I know that worst thing anything happens to my crew that's that's not able to manage it. I know I can reach out to you. Hey Tony, can you knock out these units? Tony, can you get these kitchen cabinets? Can you, Tony, can you get the appliances which you've been handling all over there in Ohio? Uh, yeah, I that, mean we're we're not perfect in any fashion. We we try to be, but I, I think it's just you know we're investors kind of first and then property management second because we think a lot like our owners, which I think helps us be a good property management company. Like I said, again, we're not without our, our flaws. You know, there's always things we can do better. Um, but, you know, the the piece of being able to do renovations, I mean, that's what we do. And that's what I've always done. So it makes it easy that, you know, someone like myself is in the organization because Sundance didn't offer that before me either. And our ability to think like you guys makes, makes it easier for us to do those renovations at a cost effective. You know, we're big right. picture people. Like, I, I'm, I don't need to get rich on these one deals i mean really that that piece of our business is i don't know maybe five percent of our total gross yeah, it's income. more of a customer service thing it's more of like a service Get Correct. The asset yeah, going you know, we are we are a for-profit company so you know i'm trying not to run a non-profit here but uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't always happen every you know as much as i like but uh yeah i mean it's just a service that i think you have to have your if you're going to be a elite property management company when you get to a certain level i mean their owners are going to expect that and you know it gets expensive when you start, you know, running out and hiring some of these big or, you know, other GC firms. They're necessary at times, but, you know, for the small projects, they're going to charge you 20, 40 percent markup on. And I'm only charging you 10 percent because I got a small crew that's going to knock it out. So, correct. Yeah, correct. Correct. Important. Now, Tony, let's let's go into the most difficult deal that you've done and, how, and, and kind of give me a solution how you solve that deal. Man, most difficult deal. Hmm. They're they're all difficult, right? Yeah, they are. They all have. <laughs> if, it was, if it was easy, everybody would be doing yeah. it, right? I mean, or being at least be successful. They, they uh, all take a couple of years out of your life. Uh, it's yeah, uh, no, yeah. for for sure. I mean, in terms of acquisitions and overall getting to the the table, I mean, I go back to that first one, and there's nearly was nothing harder than that. Um, and then you know, in terms of uh, property management uh, deals, I mean. Like I said, we're not perfect. We're not a perfect fit for everybody. Um, we try to be. Um, I've worked with multiple different syndication groups, um, and 
they can be challenging. You know, a lot of a lot of the groups, you know, what I love about you guys and your group of people is that you guys are in it. You know it. You know, you run a property management company. You know the, the ins and outs. You, you can relate to some of the issues that we're having and, you know, can be patient with what, what we're trying to do here. And, you know, a lot of these guys that, that get into this, they, they don't understand that side of the business. I mean, property management makes does make or break you. But I also, you also got to have the support of the owners. They have to understand what real cost is to do things, you know. Uh, I th- I'd say the toughest, I had I had an owner who bought a property and literally brought me in the day before he closed. I walked all the units, I, I checked it out. You know, he's, they, the management company told him he had 10 vacants, he had 23, he's getting ready to close it. And he's like, well, he gave me the layout of what he wanted to do. And he said, uh, I, I, I want to do it for 800,000. I was like, it's not gonna happen. It's gonna cost you about 1.5 million. He's like, well, I don't have that. I was like, well, I'm closing the bar. I was like, I mean, I don't know to tell you. It's what's going to cost. I mean, we'll do. We do what we can, and you know, sure enough, I got in there. I, we started to help with the renovations. Uh, he wanted to use some guy he found, and it it was. It turned out to be a disaster. He tried to use this cheap roofer, turned into a disaster. You know, basically, you know how it is with these flat roofs with yeah. the ACs yeah. on on top of the roof. If you don't get somebody that knows what they're doing, they literally broke every AC. <laughs> Oh, wow. <laughs> and I wasn't wow. in the budget. Yeah. And I couldn't get heat. You know, it was a challenge. I was trying to cut corners and help this guy out. And inevitably, you know, we became the fall guys because we're the property management company. We're the first and we're the easiest to kind of blame or put on, throw on the bus. And I get it. I mean, I really liked this investor. He was, he was a good dude. And he, so, so if, if I'm, if, if I'm an, I mean, if I'm a new investor and I'm a, a new syndicator, which uh, it's become very popular business now. Yeah. When should I reach out to someone like you? in my transaction. Let's say I'm under contract, I passed my inspection period, I'm gun hold, I'm closing this deal. Should I be reaching out to someone like you now uh, in that part of the transaction? You start- You're already too late. <laughs> You're already too late. You know, where I like to be coming in and, you know, and I think I add actually the most value is, is when you guys are underwriting the deal. So, you know, do all your homework, get to the point where, okay, I, hey, we're getting ready to write the LOI. Can you just review this performer for me, poke holes, whatever where you miss on the expenses. Here's what I want to do on my CapEx projects. Where am I off? You know, can I get these roofs done for 20,000? I mean, I've replaced enough roofs. I'm like, no, that's probably a 50,000 or, you know, or run through some numbers or, you know, Hey, you don't have enough of mis- miscellaneous cause it should be X, you know? So I like to be part of the LOI side of things and then at least help with the underwriting, try to poke holes and, Obviously, you never really know what you're going to get until you get into the deal and yeah. do the true DDD, DD item. You, you know, um, I, I want to add to that because one of the things that, that I've done with you already on the last three deals is during our inspection period, I'll call you up and I'm like, uh, Tony, I, I need to get the whole squad to walk 300 units with me and your, and your checklist. And um, we've done that in the last couple of deals uh, with you and Ronald over in Atlanta. And um, Ronald brought his maintenance crew, his assistant. Uh, his leasing agent, and he just helped us walk 300 and something units. Then recently, we just before we closed 84 units, he walked it with us. And that right there, for me to have that support and that help from my management company, that that I don't, I, I could just reach out to you guys, and you, you guys help me walk 200 or 300 units during that tight time frame. Because usually that's how it is. You're scrambling that time frame for be able to be able to see all these units, have another perspective, another pair of eyes looking at the project with you. That to me is golden. And I always, I'll suggest to investors that uh, reach out to your, you know, your property manager and, or, and ask them if they'll walk these properties with you. 
and uh, you'll see what type of caliber they are. And if, if they're willing to do it, that's a good thing. And that saved us a lot of trouble. In fact, one of them we ended up canceling, uh, but we ended up keeping one of the deals. So uh, I agree, during inspection period, reach out to your property management company, help them have them walk with you. That's a great Yeah, story. I mean, I, I unfortunately help kill more deals than I probably help people acquire. <laughs> yeah. It's just, yeah. you know, there's a lot of bad brokers out there. There's also a lot of crazy deals and a lot of misinformation. And I mean, Sundance, we've been doing it for 28 years. So between myself and uh, the other partners in this company, we, we've seen a lot of stuff. So, you know, I'll put that in front of, a, a, you know, a lot of people's eyes inside a company, and, you know, not to make this a sales pitch for Sundance. But, you know, one of the things is we're willing to go down that rabbit hole with our owners. You know, hey, some deals work, some don't, and I'll send the whole team. And I, I'd rather I'd rather spend that money and fly down there and spend that team and look at that deal with you guys versus letting you guys pick it up and then say, hey, guys, you manage it. And, you know, six months, eight months into the deal, I'm like, we can't hit your numbers. Like, we're, we, we can't do it. I, so I want to be able to at least, um, you know, kind of give my blessing and say, hey, it, I also also would ask for your managers to advise also on the real actual rents, especially when you're not a local. Uh, I, I've made that mistake in the past where I go based on Zillow and uh, Trulia and, and I start doing my comp searches there and I get all excited and I see the rents. But you guys actually have real, real data what properties are really going to rent for. So it's always good to run those numbers to, uh, through your management company. For sure. And that's probably one that I tell the investors looking to buy in markets that they don't currently live in is, I mean, those co-star reports, even though as good as they are, at the end of the day, nothing, nothing really beats boots on the ground. I mean, that, you know, if we don't have the information, we usually have the staff or the regionals and just bang on the doors and really talk to these because co-star gets the basic information. You get the basic off the apartment guides or the, you know, what's on the websites, but you know, doesn't always say that, hey, they're offering two months free rent or they're got this huge concession that you're, you're not normally seeing to get you in the door or, you know, it's not really renovated. They only got two renovated and they're really just getting you in the door at this low price. Boots on the ground during an acquisition is, is very, very important um, for anybody that doesn't yeah. live in the market. Yeah. Now, Tony, what advice would you give uh, would you give listeners? If you were talking to the to the younger Tony, 10, 12, 13 years ago, what <laughs> advice would you give that person? Um, now that now that you've bumped your head many times. Yeah, that, that experience is gonna be the key in this game. I mean, I, I I can tell you everything I know and you could read every book, but until you actually get in here and understand it, it it's really hard. Um you know, you will see books and you will see people on podcasts talk about, you know, find the professionals, find the right people to work with. And that is, that is definitely the case. Um, and focus and you hit on it earlier, because when you're in, in this industry, it's tough to do it all uh, and be effective. I mean, you can do it all. And there's some people that do do it very well, but then they're limited on their growth and how effective or how big they can get. You can only manage and you need to sit down and really decide on what you want this to be. Do you want it to be passive or do you, do you want it to be yeah. your job? Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of people think they just buy an apartment and it's just all of a sudden be passive income. And it's rarely the case. Um, so if you really want to be passive, you need to look to the professionals, reach out to your local property managers, be careful. There's a lot of, there's a lot of bad guys that, you know, cause it's an easy business to get in. doesn't create a, a lot of overhead to start it, but, you know, talk to a lot of people, understand what they're doing and, you know, find the professionals because property management is, if you're not already doing it, it's, it's tough. 
Yeah, 100%. I own a, I own a property management company. I can promise you, <laughs> if I ever got out of this, I would never manage my own property. Cur- yeah, currently right now, I manage that, and I do not want to grow my management company here in Miami. I, I, it's, I made that decision about two years ago, and I'm like, I'm, I am good. I'm good. I want to focus on what I love to do, and, uh, and we're actually doing that now. Now, Tony, what is financial freedom mean to you? Everyone has their own explanation for that. What, what does that mean to you? Man, that's a, a tough question. Because <laughs> it changes you know, so much, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it is. I, mean, it, I, I, I can't say anything. I mean, uh, real estate has allowed me to do things that I've always wanted to do in terms of being financially freedom. I mean, I, I've done very well for myself. Uh, I mean, would I start this 15 years ago? So, you know, it, it's definitely a long game. Um, yeah. And it's like everything. You're not going to... So there's a couple of people get lucky, but it's yeah. it's not a get rich, get rich uh, model for sure. But you know it does allow um, some freedom, and you know we're all we we do it to make money. And like I didn't say before, this is not a nonprofit. And yeah, you know I've always been driven by money, but I'm a very competitive person. So it, you know you hear it, um, and people say all the time, do something you really love, or you know be good, do the things you're good at, and the money will follow. And you hear that and i thought it like ah oh, that's that's whatever like dude i'm doing this it does i mean i financial freedom to me is not having to work paycheck to paycheck i yeah. tell my friends and family like i when i had the, the the 40 50 hour work and i was an employee sunday nights were awful you know about five o'clock all i dreaded is the fact that i had i felt like i was going to school again yeah, like I had yeah. to wake up like, oh, yeah. the weekend's over. I got yeah. to go to work every single, you know, for five days, and I'm, I'm already in. But you, you know, uh, what's Sunday crazy? night, and I'm already looking to Saturday. Like I'm trying to like yeah. blank out from Monday to Friday. That's the day I quit uh, the uh, the world of um, you know the nine to five. That was fine. That was freedom to me. That was yeah. financial freedom. I I, didn't, I rarely think about oh, I gotta wake up and do this tomorrow. Yeah. Oh, I gotta go to work. I mean, it, you know, you know what's crazy about that is that that the world from nine to five is really actually a world of 40, 50 hours a week. But I promise you that I bet you're putting in 70, 80 hours a week for yourself and your business. So it, it's, you know, it, when, I, when I look back, when I was in the corporate world where you just mentioned right now, I was, I was miserable, same as you. I wanted the freedom to do what I wanted, but I work now more than I would even, I double what I used to work in the corporate world. Yeah, that's I don't, not even, yeah. <laughs> the effort, but it's, but it's, 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 it's a it's reward, different. you know? It's a, it's a different work. Yeah, it's different. Yeah, it's a different work and I enjoy it. I don't, it, I, I rarely feel like I'm working. Yeah. Um, I, I literally got yelled at my wife the other day. She's yeah. like, Some, you, you go to work at like nine and then you're home by four. I'm like, yeah, but I'm also working from four to the time I'm in bed. Yeah, like, you're not completely disconnected. Just, yeah, 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 like, yeah, it, yeah, it doesn't stop. I just, I, you know. I can yeah. kind of come and go as, as I please. So that's yeah. financial freedom to me, you know? Yeah. Um, I said, it's, it's done a lot of good for, you know, done very well and, you know, been very successful and, you know, still trying to, to grow that, but, you know, being able to go on vacations whenever I want, being able to go do whatever I want, you know, which I see you taking quite a few already. Yeah, yeah I mean, I'm, I'm the king of I'm the king of uh, short weekend, long yeah. weekend trips, man. Rarely will you see me gone for a whole week. But I am the king of stretching them out, and you know, and you know that's one thing I tell everybody. You know, and Bill, you said it yourself, you work hard as, yeah. as possible, and don't don't let it don't let um, yeah. 
don't let a bill kid yourself. He's the king of uh, little trips too. Yo, uh, yeah, true. Uh, that's true. I mean, Cancun. You know, I'm Oh man, if, if I uh, let my so if I let know. my wife, uh, she'll take me on a trip every two weeks. Like, right. I, but, sometimes you know, she, she, I say yes, and I don't even know what I'm saying yes to. We're going right. somewhere. And that, that's the beauty of this job. I mean, yeah. even when I take those trips, I can work from anywhere. Yeah, technology I can do allows my us job. to do that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's that. I guess that's financial freedom is to kind of do what I want, do what you um, want, not yeah. not make it a job, and you know, like I said, you're doing it, man. Stuff will follow. You're doing it, Tony. Man, it's been great, man. Um, uh, I'll tell you what, uh, I'm very happy to be on board with the team and and continue growing with you guys. Uh, I'm excited today. I got news that I might be putting another 140 units in your management in Atlanta. So nice. um, uh, it's a huge heavy lift. You know just how we like them. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't expect anything less. <laughs> so uh, I'm looking forward to continue working with you, Tony. Man, it was a lot of great stuff that we talked about. And I hope the listeners were able to see another perspective of not just a traditional property management company, but a perspective of, of a management company that pretty much helps investors execute their, their game plan and their dreams. So, Tony, thank you for everything. And I just wanted, how can, how can listeners get in touch with you? Oh man, you know, they can, I'm always available. I, I enjoy talking shop. I mean, the best way to get a hold of me is uh, through email. Um, they want to email me at uh, tangle at sdpmi.com. I'm sure I'll be able to throw it yeah. up on a, on a link I'll drop. Or, or something to this, uh, this podcast. But yeah, I'm happy to have a quick call. I mean, I mean, my time is, is valuable, but there's nothing more than helping other investors because I had people help me along the way and I'm willing to sh share any, any knowledge I have, good or bad, you know, take yeah. it for what it's worth, 100%. but uh, willing to help. I'll drop the link. Tony, I know you got to go, man. Thank you for your time. Right. I appreciate, appreciate it. Man. Thanks, Take Bill. Take it easy. Thank you for listening to the Real Estate Life Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you'd like to reach out to me, please go to my website, www.abiobiesteros.com.